0: So I want you to turn with me, please, the book of Acts, chapter 17. Acts, chapter 17. I want to bring you a message entitled, Desiring the Touch of God. Now, I've already felt the touch of God this morning. I praise the Lord for that. I felt the minister to me in song, as old Brother Mays used to say. God touched my heart and squeezed my heart and juice ran out my eyes. Amen. Desiring the touch of God this morning. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, as we begin the message today, we have come to hear from you. And Lord, I I pray that you would touch hearts today. I pray you'd touch my heart. Thank you for what I've already felt in my heart. Thank you, Father, that we look forward. We're not looking backward this morning, we're looking forward. I look forward to a time when we'll never walk through that valley, when we'll never face the sin and the suffering, the trials and the tribulations of this life. Father, I pray that you'd bless this morning. I pray that your good spirit would walk among us, that you speak to hearts as only you can. Bless each one that's come this way. In Jesus' name, amen. I have been preaching hard and fast for many, many weeks now. And I just want to settle down this morning, if you don't mind, and bring you a pastoral message. Praise the Lord. I'm glad to feel his touch. Desiring the touch of God. That's what I want to preach on this morning or just speak to you about. You know, oftentimes we, we use the word feel. I don't feel this or I don't feel that. And I wanna use that kind of as a springboard here as we look at the touch of God. I'm glad, friend, that we can feel the touch of God. I'm glad I can feel the touch of God. And sometimes in our life there is a, not an acute sense of the touch of God, that that he's in us, that he's working through us and for us. And it just seems like, where's the touch of God on my life? Does he still care? Am I still forgiven? Where is God in my life? And so I want to remind you that it's in these times, and I'll give you four ways to look. We look inward, outward, upward, but we look forward. And... I want to remind you that Jesus told us never would he leave us, never would he forsake us. If our feelings waver and fluctuate, our emotions go up and down, or we don't have a spiritual sense of the touch of God. He said, lo, I'm with you always. He said, you're sealed with the spirit of promise until the day of redemption. But I want to key in on this word, feel. We can feel him. Let's read verse uh, Acts 17 and verse start, begin starting reading in verse number 24. Acts 17, verse number 24. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands as though he needeth anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things and hath made of one blood and all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation that they should seek the Lord if haply they might, say that word with me, feel after him and find him though he be not Far from every one of us. It's in these times that, we, that when we don't feel the touch of God, that we remember that we're not saved by feeling. We are saved by grace. When you don't feel saved, you are still saved if Christ has redeemed you. Listen, we're saved by grace. We're saved by faith. The Word of God does not change. Now, it sure feels good to be saved. Amen? Amen. And it sure feels good to have a heightened sense of God. It sure feels good when you feel His nearness and His closeness. And it sure feels good. It lifts the spirit. It elevates the mood. But sometimes our mood elevator is stuck on the bottom. Our spiritual senses are bottomed out. And we don't have the touch of God. Everybody has a spiritual sense. We got five senses, and I won't review those, but there's a sense that, that science can explain. Even lost people have that sense, that sense of spiritual feeling. The Bible says here that even lost people, if they should seek the Lord, happily they might feel after him and find him. Hey, the Bible says we have spiritual Feelers, it's what it says. And it's our spiritual perception. Let me give you an example. A lost person may walk through those doors this morning and they'll get a spiritual sense of what this church is about. There's a spiritual culture here. There's a spiritual sense. If we're having a service and we're singing and we're rejoicing and we're praising God and the Spirit's moving, they can sense that. Now that not, has nothing to do with science. If we were having a funeral, somebody lost, the same person could walk through those doors even though they're not saved, and they could sense a spirit, have a spiritual sense of a more somber mood, right? We all perceive those things. Now, science says that that's emotional intelligence. I say it's spiritual perception. Let that sink in just a minute. Spiritual perception. Many church people go, many people go today to church to get a feeling and experience something. And that's what they go to church for. They want to experience something. They don't necessarily want to get closer to God or experience His Spirit or be fed the Word of God. They want to experience something. And so let me give you an example they go into church and the drums are playing loud and the music is, is uh, right on key and the singer's right on key and the message is all about peace and love and mercy and forgiveness. And all oh, they get this wonderful experience and they walk out the church door and pfft, it's all gone. There's a void. There's an emptiness. There's, a, there's just a... a, a, a No sense of God. There's no deep relationship with God. No touch of God on their lives. And they go out in the world unchanged. Friend, that's not God. God desires a relationship with us. And when we come to the house of God, we need to desire to be fed from the book. Now, I like good music. I don't even mind drums and loud music. and Hey, I don't mind that stuff. But that's not what worship is about. And so what do we need, preacher? To live a consistent Christian life with the touch of God on us. We need some things in our life. We need consistency of the word of God. We need consistency of Christian fellowship. We need consistency of a prayer life. It's no wonder we don't feel the touch of God at times. It's no wonder God feels a million miles away from us. We need a regimen in our life. A regimen of what? Do you know a regimen is defined as this? It is a medical term. It is a prescribed course. It's a medical treatment, a diet, or a way of life for the restoration of health. Let that sink in. It is a medical treatment, a diet, or a way of life for the restoration of health. You know a Christian needs that? A Christian needs that regimen. The Bible says in Colossians 3, 16, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. You ever have a rich sense of God? Life seems full, and it seems like angels just dance about you, and your day's just wonderful. And then it's not long to where if it was raining soup, you'd be caught with a fork. <laughs> hey, we all need the Word of Christ to dwell in us richly. The Bible says, speaking to ourselves. Talking to myself, preacher, that's what the Bible says. They used to say that if you talk to yourself, that that was the first stage of insanity. Now they're telling us that people who talk to themselves are actually more intelligent than other people. So now I don't feel so crazy. The Bible. <laughs> I got an amen on that one. Oh, the Bible says, listen... Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Hmm. Where's the touch of God? We need to probably look no farther than ourselves to find the touch of God. You have to be careful on this regimen thing because religion wants to give you a regimen. Religion religion wants to give you a little set of prayer beads so you do these vain repetitions. Jesus said, pray not with vain repetitions. Religion wants to give you a little prayer wheel to spin, something to do, something to occupy your mind. Hey, religion is not a relationship. I want a relationship with God. I want to possess that which is real and not right. I want Christ and not ceremony. (laughs) Religion will never give you a touch of God, friend. Although we do need that regimen. I want an unbroken walk with God. But yet may I confess to you this morning that there are times when I'm prayed up. There's nothing wrong in my life. There's no sin I can pinpoint. (laughs) But yet I don't have an acute sense of his presence. I like experiencing the touch of God, for when He's close, I have a peace. I know when He's close. I know when He's real. I have a sense of peace. There's tranquility in my life. That closeness brings joy, happiness, elation. That nearness brings that fullness to life. His Spirit quenches my fear and drowns all my sorrows. I like it when God just touches me, it's good. So why, preacher, can't we consistently feel the touch of God? Why is it that we can't just walk in that constantly and consistently? First of all, we live in a fallen world. We have a human nature. We have a sin nature. We have a carnal nature. We have a fleshly nature. And the Bible says, The flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. Let me give you four ways to look, and I'll preach quickly here. I want you to write these down. If you don't feel the touch of God, I want you to look four ways, and I'll I'll close on the last one, and we'll spend a little time there. Look inward. If you don't feel the touch of God, look inward. Let me give you three U's to put there. Is there unconfessed sin? Christian, unconfessed sin will most definitely block the will and the touch of God in your life. Unconfessed sin. John 1, 8 says, If we say that we have no sin... We deceive ourselves. He skips over to verse 10 and say, says, If we have not sinned, then we make God a liar. But sandwiched in between those two verses that says present and past, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Sin is present with us even now. I know you got on your Sunday best. I know you got that Christian smile and that Bible tucked under your arm. I know you got your shoes polished and you're trying to keep your mind clean. But before you get out of this service, your mind may have drifted somewhere. It should not have drifted. <laughs> we still live in a fleshly body. But if we confess, we need continual, continual Confession. And listen, that t- so that relationship and that fellowship remains unbroken with God. Number two, is there unforgiveness? Jesus said in Matthew chapter six, he said it's so simple that a child can understand it. He gives us this message on unforgiveness on a kindergarten level. He says, if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly father will forgive you Your trespasses. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will not forgive you your trespasses. He said it in a positive way, He said it in a negative way. There's no way you can misinterpret that. I wonder is there unconfessed sin or is there unforgiveness? Then is there unbridled lust? Christian, you, are you missing the touch of God? Are you harboring something? Something unbridled? You know what? Lascivious, the Bible often talks about lasciviousness. Lasciviousness is unbridled lust. You let your mind grasp on a thought, whether it be uh, the opposite sex or some relationship or some sin, and you let your mind grab on that thought and you begin to play it out, fantasize. That is sin. That is unbridled lust. So is there unconfessed sin? Is there unforgiveness? Is there unbridled lust? If you're sheltering secret lust, secret hatred, something that is hidden, that is valued in your heart, more than that relationship with God, Christian, you will not feel the touch of God. Oh boy. Our human desires continue to block the filling of the Spirit. And that's the number one thing that hinders most of us from having that intimate relationship with God. What is more important than that intimate relationship with the Savior who gave himself for our sin that he might redeem us, a peculiar people, zealous of good work? Hey, what's blocking that relationship? Number two, we need not not to just look inward. We need to look outward. Is there someone that I have wronged? Oh, preacher, don't preach there. (laughs) I'm talking about desiring the touch of God. If you desire the touch of God, you have to be right with your fellow man. That doesn't mean you have to accept everything and everybody's doctrine, and that doesn't mean that you don't stand against some things. Hey, there's some things I stand against, praise God. But that doesn't make me... uh, not right with my fellow man, Makes, it keeps me right with God to stand against some things do not about doing a fellow man wrong. Jesus said this, again, a new commandment I write unto you, which is true, and he says, Because the darkness is past, and the true light now shineth. He that saith he is in the light, and hateth his brother, is in darkness even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there's none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness, and walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whither he goeth, because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. Wow. So number one, we need to look inward, but number two, we need to look outward. You know, I was thinking about this. There's a, talking about taking a stand against something. There's a lot of talk about walls and illegal aliens and separating people, you know. Let me say this. Heaven is a place with walls. Walls. The Bible says the walls are jasper and the gates are pearl. The Bible says there's no illegal aliens in heaven. There's nothing there that defies or maketh a lie. If you go to heaven this morning, you'll have to accept the president of heaven, the king of heaven, the Lord Jesus, as your savior. By the way, There's a constitution in my hand called the Holy Bible and if you go to heaven, you'll have to accept this as God's constitution. You can't dig under it. The Bible says the foundation of God standeth sure the Lord knoweth them that are his. Let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. You can't dig under that wall. You can't go over that wall. And by the way, the Bible says there are 12 gates but there's only one door and that door's Jesus. And if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, you ain't getting in. You say, that's discriminatory. That's the word of God. Amen. We need to look outward. Jesus said, we need to look inward. Is there sin, unconfessed sin, unbridled lust? We need to look outward. Is there something between us and our fellow man? Jesus said, if you bring your, a gift to the altar and you remember at the altar that your brother hath ought against thee. He said, leave thou therefore thy gift at the altar, and go thy way, and be reconciled unto thy brother. And then he says, come and offer thy gift. Friend, we ought to, the golden rule is, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It's a Sunday school lesson, but it's something that we need to hear until the day we die. So we need to look inward. We need to look outward. We need to look upward. Third thing, look upward. If you don't feel the touch of God, is there faith in your life? Did you realize, friend, that faith opens the windows of heaven? Faith opens the blessings of God and unbelief will stop the blessings of God. Are you, let's look upward. Let's say, preacher, we've looked inward and I don't know of any sin. I look outward and I'm, I'm, as far as I know, everything's okay with my fellow man. And we look upward, is there faith? The Bible says in Matthew 13 that Jesus could do their no mighty work because of their unbelief. The Bible says that his disciples in Matthew 17 could not heal a lunatic because they did not have faith. The Bible says that Jesus upbraided them or scolded the disciples because of their lack of faith and he called it hardness of heart. Hardness of heart blocks faith. Unbelief caused the children of Israel to be broken off as a branch. (laughs) Oh, friend, is there faith as we look upward? We're kept by faith. We're saved by faith. We're blessed by faith. Hey, faith opens every blessing of God in our life. We draw nigh to God by faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. <laughs> is there faith? Now, the last thing, and I want to I dwell here for just a few minutes. If there's no sin, and this is what Doug was singing about. If there's no sin inwardly, there's no problem outwardly, you're not having a problem with faith, believing God. Every, all these three areas are right. You just can't get a hold of God. You can't feel the touch of God. Don't look inward anymore. Don't look outward anymore. Don't look upward anymore. Look forward. Look forward. What do you mean, preacher? Well, let's get into this. Look forward. Listen, God will intentionally, and I know this is not popular, God will intentionally let us walk through some wildernesses sometimes. Right. When there's nothing wrong, there's no sin, I'm reading my Bible, I'm living for God, I'm witnessing, I know I'm doing what's right, there's nothing wrong Anywhere in my life, and I'm in a desert land. Sometimes God is working through us to make us look forward. David had to spend time in the caves and in the wilderness. David even had to spend some time with the Philistines, the enemies of God, because the touch of God was missing from his life. There was nothing wrong in David's life, but God removed his touch so David would experience some things and learn some things, and God was looking forward to the time when David would be king. Forward. Elijah. Elijah had faced the prophets of Baal. Elijah had called down fire from heaven. Elijah had prayed that it wouldn't rain and it didn't rain. I'm talking about a man with the power of God on his life and all of a sudden the touch of God is gone. And you find him running from Jezebel, sleeping under a juniper tree and God has to dispatch an angel to touch him and then say, you better get out of here and go by the creek for a while. And the Bible says that ravens brought his dinner, praise God, for a while. What are you saying, preacher? It was during, can you imagine Elijah having that kind of power with God and then winding up by himself by a creek fed by birds? Christian, when you don't feel the touch of God in your life, It is not abnormal. Let me say that again. When you don't necessarily have this great, wonderful, feeling, intimate touch of God in your life, it is sometimes normal. It was normal with David, it was normal with Elijah. The woman in Matthew chapter 9 had, the Bible said, she had a disease, an issue of blood for 12 years. With no touch of God, she'd wasted everything seeking physicians. She'd spent all of her money. Boy, if she was living in America today, she'd really have some medical bills. And finally, she gets to Jesus and just touches the hem of his garment. And the touch of God, Jesus even realized that as she touched him, that virtue went out of him. (laughs) She got the touch of God. But she had to look forward. I was thinking about this. Jesus healed the blind man. You remember the story where the blind man comes to Jesus and, and he and he says, Lord, if thou wilt, thou can make me whole. And listen, you talk about Jesus doing you think I preached some weird things. Jesus did some weird things too. This guy came to him and says, I'm blind, and Jesus didn't touch him. He spit on the ground. Pretty pretty gross, ain't it? Jesus Spit on the ground. Then he reached down and picked it up. And the Bible says that he made clay of the spittle. You ever thought about that? So he made clay. And he, listen, here's the point. And Jesus takes this mixture of his own saliva and the dirt that was made clay and he puts it on this guy's eyes. Now if you're... A blind man would know not to open his eyes or it's going to get in there and irritate it, right? (laughs) And Jesus tells this guy, go wash in the pool of Siloam. Now can you imagine, the man's already blind and now he's got a mixture on his eyes of clay and spittle and it's, it's a long way to the pool of Siloam and there's 33 steps that go down into the pool of Siloam and he's got to get there without opening his eyes or he's going to have his eyes full of grit what are you saying, preacher? Don't misinterpret the touch of God. Sometimes the touch of God is gritty. Y'all with me? So why can't we just have this wonderful, intense, magic carpet ride right into heaven? This wonderful, wonderful elevated stimulus. Why can't we just experience heaven on a day? Why can't angels just dance about us every day? Why can't the Spirit fill? Why can't life be full every day? (laughs) Well, think of it like this as we look forward. Don't Don't miss this part of the message. Look forward. Let me give you some things here. Sometimes a new mother overstimulates her child. She caresses, she excessively dotes on that child and that child does not develop normally. Some mothers hate that. Listen to me carefully. She caresses to such an excessive degree that that child does not develop normally. That child never exercises independence. That child never grows. That child will be childish the remainder of its life, babified, tantrums. I mean, let me read you something from the child development community. An overstimulated child can struggle with motor skills, language skills, social skills. Overstimulation contributes to learning behavior, uh, learning, and behavioral issues in the future. Why can't? Why doesn't God just scoop us up and touch us every day? Why are there wilderness times? Why are there times when we can't? Because listen. A mother shouldn't spend all day dangling toys in front of her infant. That infant needs to grow. That infant needs to walk. That infant needs to learn to do things on its own. That infant needs to have its own character, its own integrity. That infant, if it's a boy, it needs to become a man. If it's a girl, it needs to become a woman, not a baby. And so God loves us. And God desires that relationship with us and he gives us that wonderful relationship and occasionally we feel that wonderful touch of God. But God's not in the business of overstimulating us. He knows it's not good for us. So when, there's, when, when you go through Christian, I didn't say if you, I said when you go through times that you don't feel the touch of God and you find there's nothing inward, there's nothing outward, there's nothing upward as far as faith, look forward because God is using it for his glory. He's developing you as a mature Christian. Amen. It's times that we get through those, the, those seasons Listen what the Bible says about Jesus in Luke 2.40. And the child grew. This is Jesus growing. And the child grew, waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. God gives us space to grow. Even his own son was tempted in the wilderness 40 days, 40 nights. There was nothing wrong with Jesus' faith. There was nothing wrong inside. There was nothing wrong outwardly. But God was developing his own son. And he held angels back for 40 days. But Jesus teaches us something during these wilderness times. And it was only at the end of the 40 days That the angels were let go. You see, God tested His own Son. I got to hurry here. Jesus taught us in the wilderness, in those wilderness times, those desert times, to pray. Pray! Pray when you don't feel like it. Pray when you don't feel the touch of God. Pray when when you're not emotionally even capable of praying. Pray when things are down. Pray when disappointment comes. Pray in the wilderness. Pray on the side of the road. Pray, pray, pray. Jesus taught his disciples to pray. He never taught them to preach. He never taught them to win souls. He taught his disciples to pray. Number two, to fast. To deny ourselves the basics of life. To fast. <laughs> he taught us to pray. He taught us to fast. He taught us to endure. James 1.12 says, Blessed is the man. Blessed. What's the word blessed mean? Happy. Blessed is the man who endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive a crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Wow. Not if we're tried, not if we have times without the touch of God, but when we have those times, we are to endure. Why? We're looking forward. (laughs) Forward. And then we're to resist the devil. After the third temptation in the wilderness, listen to this carefully. I looked over this for years. I'm closing. After the third temptation, the devil had come to Jesus and tempted him three times. And on the third temptation, Jesus finally looked at the devil and said, get thee hence. Get out of here. (laughs) You know what the Bible says? And the devil left him. Pray, fast, endure, and resist the devil. The Bible says resist the devil and he will flee from you. So why, preacher? Several reasons. But I gave you four places to look. I wonder, friend, this morning I'm going to close the message. I've got so much more to give you, but I need to close. Why do we desire his touch? It's a personal touch. Maybe I can finish the message another time. It's a personal touch. It's a powerful touch. And it's a performing touch. Thank God for the touch of God. A powerful touch. I I really believe I've done what God wanted me to do. I questioned that a lot this morning. Lord, is this the exact message you want? And then it seemed like it just fell into place, so... I perceive that as God working on somebody, God dealing with somebody, somebody needing that touch of God. I wonder, friend, if there'd be here, nobody looking around that would say, Preacher, I need a touch of God this morning. I need that personal, intimate touch of God on my life. I want to feel His power. I want to feel the Spirit performing in my life. I said feel, amen. Amen. I want to have a sense of God this morning. Maybe right here is where you need to be, on the altar before God. You see, when Jesus touched that leper and that blind man, it was a personal touch. We might not have understood it at the time, but it was a personal touch. Jesus touched the dead and they came to life. He touched the deaf and they could hear. He touched the blind and they could see darkness was dispelled. The doom of eternity in a devil's hell is gone with the touch of Jesus. Are you here this morning? Maybe you're lost and and, and you don't know Christ and there's a doom over you, There's there's a dread in you and you don't know what to do. Hey, bring it to the Lord. The touch of God is waiting to be bestowed upon you. Do you need his touch today? It's an intimate touch, a loving touch, a forgiving touch, a compassionate touch. It's a powerful touch. It's a performing touch. It transformed Jacob into Israel. It transformed Saul into Paul. It transformed Abram into Abraham. It transformed Moses the murderer into Moses the man of God wow, Trans, Transform James and John into Boanerges, the sons of thunder. The touch of God is a personal touch, a powerful touch, a performing touch. Do you need it today?